is located in, and I don't have a Portuguese accent and I can't speak Portuguese, but she's in Altamira, Brazil with her family, Steve and two daughters, and they are part of the Jingu mission. Um, so she is also the senior pastor over the Vineyard Church. It's Vineyard Miranchi, close enough. <laughs> Um, so she's a senior pastor there. She also sits on the um, leadership team for all of Brazil, as well as Vineyard Institute International. So she's a very busy lady, so I'm really excited that she could take time out to spend with us. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say is kind of prepare yourself. She's got a really, really awesome message tonight. But if you've ever heard Elba speak, she doesn't beat around the bush. So... I remember a conversation I had with Elba one of the first times, and I don't know if she remembers this, but I was talking to her about, how do you know if you're called into something? And so we had this whole conversation, and basically by the end of the conversation, here's what I heard. Put your big girl panties on and get to work. Go do God's work. And so that's the way I always think about Elba, but I, it's in such a loving way because she's very intentional how she spends her time. She's doing kingdom work, and that's the heart of who Elba is. So I want to welcome her and give her a big welcome as she comes up. Elba Dolan. Well, I hope you're not disappointed with the propaganda. <laughs> so good to be here. As Vic said, I am at home because this is my father's church. Did you know that? So Danny and Penny know me since I was 15 years old. So they've seen me grow up, and I am at my father's church. So I am at home, and I have all my friends here. So we're just going to have a good conversation tonight, right? So please, everything, I, I was, one thing that I always told myself, that if I am going to do something, I'm going to have fun doing it. So we're going to have fun tonight. Okay, feel free to interact with me to say amen, hallelujah, crap. <laughs> yes, no, just whatever. Just feel free. Let's just have fun. Let's just do this together. I am so honored to be here, and uh, I'm glad that I'm not going to talk about missions, <laughs> that, I'm, that I get to do something else. So um, there's something that I... I do. I am very passionate about women discovering their call, being the women God has called them to be. Because I think we, a lot of us, spend many years, if not most of our lives, kind of wondering, what, what are we made for? Why am I here? Why, what's God's purpose in my life? And uh, it is sad that some people and, and a lot of women, they go through life not really knowing that, not no, really knowing what they're made for, what is their purpose in life. So I want to talk tonight about being kingdom woman. What does that mean for us? Once we come and we give our lives to Jesus and he becomes our Lord and Savior, we come under this new kingdom. And how do we do life under this new kingdom? So that's my talk tonight. And I think it's, it's very important and relevant to our life to understand this. What, what are we made for? What are we doing on this earth? What is our part? What does God uh, want us to play on this earth? So if you bear with me, I promise you we'll leave here before midnight. <laughs> so 
okay? Just, just relax. We had dinner. The husbands are taking care of the kids. Just leave them there, you know? Just let him have it. So I think that I meet a lot of women. As I travel a lot, and, I, and I, on a daily basis, I, I talk with a lot of women. And uh, a lot of women that are very restless. They just, they're tired. They're exhausted. They're just doing life. It's just heavy on them. They, there's just no, no life there. And... Um, and like I told you before, I am destined to have fun in life, even through the most difficult things, because God is with us, and, and, and we can just really, really enjoy life. So, um, but the thing is that one of the greatest truths, you probably don't know this yet, and most of you do, is that we were created to have a relationship with God, and unless... We have that. There's this emptiness in us. There's this big hole. There's this, we, we're just restless. We're, we're always trying to do something, to feel that, to feel important, to feel like we have meaning, to feel like our life is important. And the truth is, no matter how much or little money you have, or how many degrees you have, or if you have none, if you have a good family, if you have a good husband, or or if you don't even have anyone, it really doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, we are on the same place. Without Jesus, we're just empty and sometimes really nasty women. It's true. I usually tell the ladies in my church and the younger girls who thinks that their dream in life is to find this prince and marry him and their life's gonna be fulfilled. That's a big lie. Because you know what? I sleep with a very good-looking man every night. I have two beautiful daughters. I am living my dreams. But without Jesus, I am empty. I am broken. I can be very nasty. I can be very impatient. I can be very short with people. Because we need Jesus. We need to come to that place where... The more you try to stuff your life with things, the more desperate you get. Because once you do something and you go, oh, this is not really what I was thinking, then you go for the next. It just gets more and more desperate. Because we need Jesus. And I love this a quote from St. Augustine. Here's what he said. He said, you have made this for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. Our hearts are rested because we were made. Before we were called to anything, we're called to someone. We're called to God. We're called to Jesus. We're called to have this loving relationship with him. And I love a story of Paul when he was on the way of Damascus. And he had an encounter with Jesus. And interesting, I don't know if those of you who are familiar with the story, the first thing he said the first question he asked was, who are you, Lord? And then later he said, what do you want me to do? But what I find is that all day long we are saying, what do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do with this marriage? What do you want me to do with my children? What do you want me to do with this job? What do you want me to do with 
my single life? Do you want me to stay in this relationship or leave? Do you want me to marry this guy or not? Should I continue in this job or not? Should I go get that degree? Do, I, do you want me to do this ministry, get involved here or there? All day long, our minds is filled with what do you want me to do? And there is nothing wrong with asking that question. We should ask that question. But the number one question is, who are you, Lord? Reveal yourself to me. Who are you? I want to know you. Because if I know you, I am going to know myself better. I'm going to know what I am made for. So we need to ask the, the question on the right order. And the, and the right order is, who are you, Lord? Every single day, we get up to say, who are you, Lord? How can I know you better today? How can I come closer to you? Because that's the number one question. Sooner or later, everyone, every woman has to come to that place where we just ask ourselves, what am I for? What is my life all about? Why am I here? And the only person who can answer that question to us is God. Because you know what? If you read books, and usually people say, well, if you want to know who you are, you've got to start with yourself. Ask yourself, what is your dream? What is your passion? What do you want to do in life? But see, we're going to an empty place. We don't know. We don't know. We need someone who can answer that question to us. So if we really want to know what our lives are about, we need to know the Creator. The one who made us, and he made us for a reason. He made us for a purpose. He put us on this earth. We're not here just because of an explosion or whatever. There is a creator. And when he created you and me, he had the specific plans for our lives. And as we ask who he is and he reveals himself to us, we get to know who we are and what our life is for. So with that truth in mind... That before we're called to do anything, before we're called to something, we're called to someone. I would like to touch four brief areas of our life tonight. So number one, the kingdom woman and her personal life. First John 15, chapter 4, Jesus is talking about a vine and he's saying that he's the vine. And we are the branches. And one thing that he says on verse 4 is, Remain in me as I also remain in you. You see, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we enter in this, into this living, organic relationship with him. And becoming a believer or a follower of Jesus means that you have decided to let God lead your life. Your dreams, your desires, your wants. The will of God affects every area of my life, my involvement at my workplace, my marriage, the way I raise my children, the way I, I lead with money, the way I relate with people, everything. The will of God just affects every area of my life. So Christ comes to live in us. And now we're, it's like a marriage. We become one. And out of this relationship, we do life. And the amazing thing is that out of this relationship, we are transformed from the inside out. 
And let me tell you something. You're going to like yourself more. You're going to like yourself more the more you know Jesus, the more you know the Lord and what are you made for. So, and as we enter in this organic living relationship with him, our lives start to change. We start to be transformed. And the amazing thing is that we start to look like Jesus. And who doesn't like Jesus? The Pharisees. Yeah. How does it happen? I mean, how, how can we have this life where on a daily basis we're being transformed? We, we start to think different about life, about things, about everything. How does it happen? Well, Jesus is saying the secret is to remain in him. It's to remain in him, to get life from him. And as we remain in him, he starts pruning our lives. You know, cutting all those things that are not good in us, in our hearts. And uh, in that way, we can be better people. We can be better women. We can be better friends, better wives, better mothers. So, and pruning for us, all of us, really means taking away all the distractions of our life. Everything that separates me from the Lord. Everything that tries to steal my life and my joy in him. All those weeds that tries to weaken me and, and just uh, kill this life, the fullness of this life that we're all supposed to have in Jesus. And for all of us, you know, pruning our lives, for a lot of us, can mean many different things. But it's anything and everything that tries to get in a way between me and God. So, several things. For example, it can be good things. And most of the times, they are good things. Like friends. Who doesn't like friends? They're good friends. But sometimes our friends can take us away from the will of God. TV, we're watching too much TV or, or telephone or Facebook or uh, laziness. Anything, work, chores, everything we have to do, good things. But that become, they tend to become priority in our lives. They tend to become number one. And when those things become number one, then this is not good. Because this thing cannot give us life. They cannot give us life. The Bible tells us a story about Martha and Mary. And I'm going to tell you from the beginning, I've played Martha many, many times. I am very guilty of that. A person who is doing good things, who is doing great things, who is serving, who is doing your best. And she's doing something really amazing. She's making a delicious meal to Jesus. She's being hospitable. And um, I love this because you know why a lot of times we get very tired of doing good things. And when we get very tired of good, doing good things, we start complaining. Have you seen that in your life? Even in our homes, you guys don't do anything. I do everything. I do the laundry. I, do the, I cook. I do this. I do that. Oh, so-and-so has a great life. Oh, she's lazy. Do you guys do that too or just Brazilians? 
And then we start talking about how busy we are, how we are so overwhelmed and so and so doesn't do anything, just picks up and leave. Why are we complaining? Because we're empty. We're, we're tired. This thing that we're doing does not give us life. So I love this quote when Martha complained to Jesus that Mary was just sitting there enjoying Jesus and she's busy cooking and cleaning and doing everything. I love this uh, quote. Dr. Tony Evans, he paraphrased uh, Martha's, Jesus' uh, response to Martha's complaint. Here's what he said. Change your menu, Martha. If cooking a banquet is going to keep you away from me, then a casserole will do it. Isn't that great? What Jesus is saying, listen, I don't want a big meal. I want you. And for a long time, my husband would say, honey, come to bed. But I'm thinking, I got to do the dishes, pick up all the stuff. I like organization. And he's saying, listen, I don't care if I get up to a dirty house. I want you. Am I the only one? I don't care. And you see, that's the same thing that Jesus is telling us every day. Stop it. I don't care if it's going to get done. I want you. I want you to be with me. Uh, so Martha's busy life not only robbed her from this life in Jesus, but also of her friends because we start seeing negative things everywhere. We're too tired. We are the you know, the people who work hard and we do everything for everybody. And nobody even sees what I do. Oh, poor me. I love this quote from Roosevelt uh, uh, Chambers. And he says this, be aware of anything that competes with loyalty to Jesus Christ in our lives. Anything. The greatest competitor of devotion to Jesus is service for him. You see, it took me a long time to realize that until I got really burned out. And I'm telling you from my own experience, there's just no grace anymore. And without grace, we're just like that hinge in the door. We just squeak. It took me some time to realize that, that I, that I needed to nourish this life with Jesus, that I, without him, there's just no grace. It's just dry. It's just hard. But with him, even the most simple thing become glorious. It's pleasurable. So we can't miss the important thing. The important thing with Je is Jesus for the good things. We can't miss it. And if you are not on your daily basis spending time with God, remaining in him, making sure you live every day, practicing the habit of being in his presence, if you're cleaning the house, if you're cooking, if you are taking your kids to school, if you're at work, just practice the habit of living in his presence and doing everything out of his presence. If you're not doing that, it's because the, the good things have taken the place of the important thing. And sooner or later, it depends on how we are wired, but if you keep doing that, you're going to end up really, really in a bad place. So don't, don't let that happen. Second, the kingdom woman and her family. We need, we need a, good, a good and biblical understanding of family to have a health marriage and a health family. 
And uh, Paul, I'm not going to go to that into details, but Paul in Ephesians 5, 25 to 31, he says that Jesus saw how we were just trapped in our sins. And out of love, he came and he died to set us free, to help us have this new life, this changed life, this transformed life. And now we are on a daily journey of transformation to future glory. Isn't that great? Because if you don't like the body you have today, you're going to have a glorious one. It's, it's wonderful. So the purpose of marriage and family is to help your spouse and your children become those perfect people God wants them to be. Amen? Can I hear an amen? How do we do that? Through sacrificial service, just like Jesus did for us. Through We do it not just serving them, but serving with them. And modeling a life of obedience, a life of loyalty, a life of service, serving them, serving others, a life of giving sacrificially. And I'm going to tell you a personal story that I had about 10 or 11 years ago, probably 11 or 12, when I came to the States for the first time. Uh, Steve and I had just got married and we came up here and when you're in a new place, you trying to make connections and meet people. And I remember talking to, to several ladies. And I would ask them, hey, so what do you do? And they would say, well, I'm a stay-home mom. After my kids are born, I just quit my job, and I'm a stay-home mom. I'm like, oh, great. Are you involved in the church? Do you do anything? Oh, no, my kids take all my time. I used to, but I'm not anymore. And I heard that so many times that I started to feel very, very bad about myself. And I went to a friend of mine who is a professional counselor, and I said, listen, what is wrong with me? I don't love my kids enough because I can't quit my job, and I can't I can't quit ministry to be home with their long. I'm going to kill them and they're going to kill me. <laughs> I love my kids, but I just cannot be around them 24 hours all day long every day. I need a break from them. And he looked at me and he said, there's nothing wrong with you. He said, El, but God made your kids to fit your calling and not vice versa. He gave you strong girls, independent girls, and they suit your calling, not vice versa. And I really think that some of us have made motherhood an idol. We have put our kids before God. We're living for them. Let me tell you, mom, if you're living for your kids, you're going to and, mo and probably you already are. You're just a nasty mom at home. You're dry. You're yelling at your kids all day long. You have no patience because your kids cannot give you life. They just can't. And I think that we need to understand that motherhood is a gift. And every gift that God gives us, it's to use for his glory. And for his kingdom. So many women have modeled a life that God's not priority in their home. Because they quit ministry. They don't go to church. They go from one game to another. One kid activity to another. They're failed. They can't do anything. 
And then no wonder when they're in their teenager years, they don't want anything to do with church. Wow, all day long we're saying God's not important. Church's not important. We're modeling. I love something that John Piper said. I don't agree with everything he said, but I do agree with this one. He said, I never got spanked for making mess in my pants, but I did for skipping church which goes to show mama cared more about keeping God's name and my so clean than she did her own hands. To his mom, honoring God came first. Honoring God came first. You see, I am not saying that motherhood's not a calling. I'm saying that motherhood's not the end. I'm saying that we're called to serve God through motherhood, finding ways, creative ways through the different stages of our baby's lives to serve the Lord, to fulfill our God-given calling in our lives. And it might look different for each one of us. I am saying that motherhood is a gift, and we should serve God with it. I love this quote from Dr. Tony Evans, he said, Never underestimate the power of a kingdom woman as a mother. Some of us do not know the power we have in our hands. And we're just living for our children. See, I never st stopped serving my church and my community because I became a mom. I had to slow down a bit, make some adjustment through the different stages, and we're still doing it. But I was very intentional that I was going to model a life of service, that I was going to model a life of commitment, that I was going to, to model a life of sacrificial love to my girls, and that we were going to do this together, that they came into my life, into God's calling into my life until they grow and they find their own. But while they're with me, they're following me. I'm not following them. We're following Jesus together. And we're doing it together. We did together. We're still doing it together. And one of the things I did with Camille and Elisa, when they were old enough to understand, I would bake a cake and buy some pop, and we would go to a dumpster um, near our house. And a lot of kids go there to, to eat from there because they're so poor they have no food home. And so they eat from the trash, and, and they collect metals and plastic to sell and make some money. I wanted my girls to know how blessed we were, how fortunate we were. And so we would go. We would go and serve them cake with pop, and uh, we would go home with amazing conversations. How much we're blessed. Oh, Mom, I saw that girl. I have that dress that I think it fits so. Let me tell you something as a result, and, and those who know my girls can testify to that. I have two girls who live completely selfless, completely open-hand. I mean, coming up here, every time we do a trip up here, I, I usually say them, to have blessing, you got to bless. They come pretty much with the clothes that they're wearing. We give everything away because we're going to get new. And we can't just stuff. We need to give. So they live that way. They live very open-handed. They don't take anything for granted. They share everything. They're, they're not possessive because they know that God gives us to bless others. So just one of the, the little things that I did 
have done so many others, but just to let you know, our children need to learn how to serve God, and, and we are the ones called to model that for them and do it with them. I made and still make church a big deal. We're going to put our best clothes on. It's going to be a great party. We're going to see our friends. We're going to have so much fun tonight. Still do that. Going to church is a big deal. We got to be committed. So why? Because like Dr. Tony Evans said, to raise your children with kingdom perspective is to love them fully. To raise children with kingdom perspective is to love them fully. So many of us have made our husband, our children, or sometimes our home, our career, our beauty, a loving relationship, the center of our life. But if we want to have a healthy, fulfilled life, we need to let God be that person from who we draw our value, from who we draw our identity and our love, because your value resides in the fact that the Almighty loving, most powerful, came to live in you. You carry that, him in, in you. You are amazing. And that's who we are. So if we do not do that, what happens is this. Uh, Tim Keller, in his book, Encounters with Jesus, he said something that it's very true. He said, everybody has got to live for something. And, but Jesus is arguing that if he's not that thing, it will fail you. You know why? We all worship something. We're created to worship. If you realize it or not, we, you do. We all do. But if it's not Jesus, it will fail you. You know why? In the end, your children will leave you. They will leave your home. Your marriage might fail. Your spouse might die. You can lose your money. You can lose your beauty. You can lose a boyfriend. You can lose your job. Everything in this life is temporary. Everything. And Jesus is the only one who says, I'll be with you forever. And he means it. And he's the only one who can say, I'll love you forever. And if you fail me, I'll still love you. He's the only thing. So don't try to get your value and your identity for anything else, even your children. Third, the kingdom woman in her church. I love this story. This um, Usually after church service, people come and they greet the pastors. You know, they come and they talk. So I heard this story about this lady who... The pastor saw her and said, hey, sister, it's about time you join the army of the Lord. And she said, oh, pastor, I already have. I already am. And uh, he said, oh, is that so? Why do I only see you here on Easter and Christmas? And she, she whispered back to him. She said, it's because I'm a part of the secret service. So, there's no such a thing. You see, attending a church does not make a person a believer or even a better person. It doesn't. 
our hearts need to be open to the process of transformation. And that's called discipleship. That takes place in the context of community, doing life together. You see, the church is not a social club or, you know, this place where the young ladies can come and find husbands, even though we find them there. The church is the body of Christ. It's a group of people who were called to bring the kingdom of God, the government of God on earth, in practical ways in the life of humanity. A place where we learn to be disciples and to make disciples. A place where we grow in our faith, in our walk with Jesus. A place where my Christian life is developed through the process of spiritual formation that is called discipleship. Rick Warren says that it takes more than Bible study to grow up a disciple. And that's who followers of Jesus are called. They're called disciples. It takes a balance of worship experience, fellowship experience, engagement with the word, ministry experience, and evangelism and mission experience. We need all of that to grow in our faith, to become disciples. And we cannot become disciples just attending church service from time to time. It doesn't happen. We become disciples when we commit to participate in the life of the body. A disciple is an obedient follower of Jesus. And as disciples, our primary task is to make disciples. I love this picture that Paul has when he's coaching or mentoring this young pastor called Titus. And the picture Paul has in the church for the women, woman working is the older woman mentoring, teaching, modeling the younger ones. And I don't believe he was talking about older age. I, I believe he's talking about more mature, more experience. In other words, if you are three steps ahead, help those who are, are three steps behind you. So the picture he has is all women mentoring other women. Nobody's doing life alone. We can't. We can't grow alone. We need one another. So that's the picture. And as we do that, as we mentor, we share life, we share experiences, we're helping this other person to grow. The Bible says that we're making disciples. And that's what we're called to do. You see, if you are a kingdom woman, what Paul is saying here to this young pastor is not an option. It is not an option for us. We don't get to choose if we are going to mentor, if we're going to share, if we're going to uh, help someone grow in their newfound faith. It's not an option for a disciple. We don't get to decide that. We are told to do that. It's not an invitation. It's an order. The problem that many of us have is that we think it's an option and we just want to do whatever fits us, whatever we feel like doing, don't, don't we? Whatever fits in my schedule. And then we just don't do it. So we think that it's just an option. And I hear many women saying that, saying, well, you know, 
I love to see people flourishing and growing. I love Jesus. I love people. I love to see people's life being transformed. But it's just not my thing. Have you heard that? It's just not my thing. What do you mean it's not your thing? Are you a follower of Jesus? Then it is your thing. Because I don't know if you haven't noticed yet, disciple maker is not a gift. Did you, have you seen in the list there of gifts? It's not a gift. We all get to do it. In our own way, with our own personality, the way God's made us to do, we're all called to influence others. And all called to help others to grow. How many women in this church probably do not have relationship with other women? And if we do, it's just to chit-chat, to just throw conversations away. I hate that. I do. I, I mean, like she said, and she's not wrong, I am intentional. I don't talk to people just to talk. I mean, if I am going to meet with you and I'm going to have a cup of coffee, we're going to get something done. <laughs> this is me. And I think that if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to influence other women, if we're going to help those around us to grow, we need to be intentional. Otherwise, we're not going to do it. We need to be intentional. So I'm going to say, well, I'm going to call so-and-so. We're going to have a cup of coffee. She's thinking she's having a cup of coffee. I am making disciples. She has no idea the agenda I have for her. I'm helping her grow. I'm helping her share my experience, my life. I'm helping her to grow in this newfound faith. So when I hear women saying, well, yeah, it's, it, I know it's good. I know it's in the Bible. Yeah, I, I think it was Jesus who said that. Yeah, I even memorized the verse. But, but you say it's not for you. I, I really do. I am a very practical person. And I just scratch my, my head going, my gosh, what part of this don't you understand? I do. It's, it's just so clear. Just go. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. Teach them to obey. Teach them how to live this new life. So I want to challenge you. Who are you helping? Who is the younger woman or more, less mature than you, less experienced in the faith that you are helping to grow? If you would say, oh, yes, yeah, so I have Mary, I have this lady, that lady. I said, I have a group of ladies that I am intentionally helping them to become better followers of Jesus, to grow in their faith. Who are you helping? Look around. I mean, if you're not, then look around. Because every, pretty much every Sunday, we have new people coming. We have Women that just got married and are learning how to do this thing together. We have single mothers. We have first-time mothers. We have kids from divorced parents. We have new couples. We have old couples. We have divorced couples. Who are we helping? They all need help. And we cannot expect that this is the pastor's job. It's our job. Every follower of Jesus has that responsibility. So look around you. 
and look intentionally and prayerfully saying, Lord, who do you want me to help? Who do you want me to help? And I'll make time for that. I'll make time. I'll be intentional about meeting with that, this woman, this younger girl, this single girl, this, this first mother. I mean, if you are a mother, you have the common language right there. If you're single, you have the common language right there. If you're a widow, you have a common language. If you're divorced, you have a common language. So look around. Find those people who need your help and help them. I remember um, 12, probably 12, 10 years ago, I started a group with a, a bunch of ladies from the community. And again, they thought they were coming to meet me for, you know, whatever, cake and pop and tea, whatever. I was making disciples. Let me tell you something. We met once a week, and I got, invited them to study the Bible. And most of these ladies weren't believers, weren't Christians. So we just say, listen, let's study the Bible. Let's, let's uh, find out about this person called Jesus Christ, who he is. And let me tell you something. 90% of those women are serving Jesus in one level or another in the church. Four of them are pastors. It just took one person to say, I'm going to be intentional about helping someone, this younger mothers, just like me. And we're going to talk about our frustrations, the things, our challenges, but we're going to talk about what Jesus can do for us. And we're going to pray. And he comes. It's simple. It's so simple. All of us can do. We just need to do it. And we all benefit when you bring to the table your gift. Someone needs you. We all benefit. We all get to benefit from what you have to offer. So be faithful with the gifts God has given you. He's called you for that. Be faithful to his gentle leading in your life. If you are a mother, help those younger mothers. If you're single, help the single girls, the single the young, the teenagers in your church, look around. God, you are the response for someone else's life. You are God's response. There's someone waiting for you. So we're all, we all get to do that. No matter, it has nothing to do with personality. So we need to just cut out the excuses we make. It has nothing to do with personality. It has nothing to do with being outgoing or extroverted or knowing so much about it's all about sharing life that's all god does the rest fourth the kingdom woman in her community you see i believe that we are called our call goes beyond uh, the four walls of our home and also the four walls of our church we're called to do something. We're called to leave a legacy in our community, in our nation, and sometimes even in the world. The Bible tells us many stories of women who were ordinary women, just like you and me, who were used by God to manifest his kingdom in their city, in their community, and some of them even in their nation. So we have, for example, Esther, who was a star, according to God. Because of her trust in God and her willingness to obey him, her courage, her faithfulness, she saved the Jewish people from extermination. 
a single girl. Deborah, a judge, a prophetess of Israel who led the people into war, prophesied victory, and they got victory. Deborah's life teaches so many things, and one of them is that God sees way more than appearances. In Deborah's time, it wasn't women who were not allowed to do anything, to lead in that capacity. It was not normal for a woman to be a leader. But God did not care about that. Still doesn't. He made her the political and spiritual leader of a whole country. So no matter who you are, what you do, God has called you for something. He has made you for something. You see, a calling is not something we do. A calling is something we are. We are made for it. So perhaps you are here tonight and you were blessed with an amazing background. You're a teacher. You are a physician. You're a lawyer. You have a talent. You're gifted. You, you have some unique abilities. You know, God gave you for a reason, for a purpose. And his purpose is to manifest his kingdom and his glory to you using your life. Manifest his kingdom into the lives of those around you for his glory. You see, I am a strong believer. Many of you know my story, and I come from a very poor background, very, very poor family. But one day, someone gave me an opportunity. An opportunity not to just have quality life, change the way I was living in poverty, but an opportunity to have eternal life, and we need both. We need both. And as I got eternal life in Jesus Christ, got opportunity to change my life, I believe that people need opportunity around us. There's so many needs around us, and we are God's response. We are part of God's response for those needs. So, as you know, we live in the, in the basin, in the Amazon basin, and we live in a very poor area. And most of the girls and the kids don't get to go to school. The girls really, by 14, 15, get pregnant, have many kids. They just have no, no future. And uh, we started to fight poverty, to give these girls opportunity, to give these young people opportunity, even older people. So we created this NGO, and through CDR, we have trained thousands of people. And a lot of them, all they need is come in and learn some computer skills. Get a job. Some of these kids just need to come and learn how to read. Things that we take for granted. And we just think, well, everybody does. No, not everybody. We've got to open our eyes. No, not everybody lives in a bubble like some of us do. There's so many needs around us. Look around. Pray. Ask, Lord, how do you want me to be a part of what you're doing? Because the Lord is creating a new heaven and a new earth. We are part of that transformation. So we, our call goes beyond the walls of our home and of our church. Look around the needs in your community, in your neighborhood. Pray because you are part of the solution. You see, we get 
caught up in so many things that stops us from doing what we're called to do. A kingdom woman is not a perfect woman. I mean, listen, what you see outside is not what a picture, a great picture of the inside. A kingdom woman is not a perfect woman. She's an obedient woman. God used the Samaritan. Remember her story? A, wo a woman with a very shameful past. God used her mightily. You see, through her life, through her simple obedience, she caused an, a, 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 two impacts in her community, a spiritual and a social one at the same time. Because Jewish and Samaritan did not talk to each other. And all of a sudden, she brought reconciliation. Just an ordinary woman with a shameful, shameful past, God used her. Because you know what? Kingdom women are made of tough stuff. God uses all of our pain and our hurts, weakness. He uses it all. So don't let those things stop you. Even as a woman like her, God used her life, which proves that God can use anyone, wants to use anyone. Any woman who is willing to say, here am I, Lord, use my life. The kingdom woman is not limited to personal resources too. It's not about if we have the resources. It's about if we have enough courage and compassion to get out there. And God will come and he will meet us. And he will provide the resources we need. She's not also limited to her culture, to the culture around her, racial differences, She's, she's brave, she's bold, not because she really is, but because she's full of the Holy Spirit. And because you're willing to step out, you get to participate in so many great, great, amazing things that God's doing. And I'm telling you, it is a really a wonderful life. It's an adventurous life. You see, some of us are living a very boring life. You have no idea what you're missing out. Life with Jesus is an adventure, and it just gets better and better. just gets better and better. When you think you've seen it all, you haven't even seen half of it. So let me tell you something that I have seen over and over and over with many women around me, is that a lot of our whinings, let me say again, a lot of our whinings and complaints they will end when we decide to live for someone greater than ourselves and to live for someone for, for a cause greater than ourselves. We need to live for something greater than ourselves. And when we do that, all of a sudden, we don't have time to just be whining and complaining and thinking about other things I need. We're living for something greater. We're living for something bigger. And that's God's call in our life. There, there is a great movie that I love, and I've made my, all my friends watch. And my girls just go, oh, my gosh, not again. So if you haven't seen it, I would like to recommend tonight. It's called Grace of Monaco. I love real stories. I'm not a fiction person. So Grace Kelly was a former Hollywood star, and she married the Prince of Monaco. And Grace Kelly... Never embraced her cause. She never really learned French. She never really learned about life and monarchy. 
What, what are all the stuff that has the princess has to do? She never did. She never embraced her call. She still thought in the back of her mind that she was a, a Hollywood star. And as a consequence of that, she found herself in a big identity and marriage crisis. You see, again, she had everything. And so empty and miserable. This father, a priest that was helping her, wrote her a letter, and here's what one of the things he told her. He said, and peace will come when you embrace the roles you have been destined to play. Devoted mother, loyal wife, and compassionate leader. Your peace will come when you embrace the roles you're destined to play in life. The Bible says that God created us for good works. That he prepared way ahead. And when you embrace that, who you are, who you're made to be, and as a result, you're going to do things out of that. You have peace. Your life will have meaning. You, you'll, find, you'll find your identity. You just will know, and you have peace because you know who you are, and you're doing what you're called to be. So, when we embrace our God-given calling, we find home. It's like coming home. We find rest. So, you see, when we respond to our call in life, which first is to have a relationship with the Creator. I got to find myself in Him. And then second, out of that relationship, out of that loving relationship, out of that fulfilling relationship, I get to be who He's called me to be and do the things He has called me to do. And as a result, I have peace. I have joy. My life is fulfilled. And just one more thing that I want to share with you tonight the calling of a kingdom woman does not have to do again with being perfect it doesn't have to do with being super spiritual or super smart it has to do with obedience that's all that's all it takes it's not about not having any flaws or sins no it's about being obedient it's about discovering the will of God for your life and saying, Lord, here am I. I am yours. Send me. Use me for your glory. You see, we don't do any good to ourselves, to our children, for those around us, when we refuse to live this God calling in our lives. So, I want to end our time here tonight. See, I am being very good. Because I, I do, as I was praying for this time, I feel like the Lord put a few things in my heart. And uh, there's probably some ladies here who just feel at lost. You just, you just feel lost. You just don't know. You just, you just feel like you, you need clarity, you need guidance. You just feel lost at this point in your life. You just, you just don't know where you're going or what, it, what are you here for, what's going on. 
And if you feel that way, we would love to pray for you in a minute. I also feel like um, there's, I have a sense that there are some women here that are just overwhelmed. You just, you just feel overwhelmed with life, just, just exhausted. And you need a really attach from the Lord. You just feel done. You're just done. I also have a sense that uh, there are some women here that are very tired of doing good. Very tired of doing good. And the Lord's calling you for the most important thing. And he's saying to you, you are allowed to sit, to sit with me. I have a place for you. I want you, not what you do. And then I also feel like... Um, um, some of you who have been in the church for a long time and really, as when I asked the question tonight, who are you investing in? Who are you discipling? You're not. You just find yourself that you're really not. You're not intentionally investing in the life of any other woman. You're not discipling anyone. And I, I'm calling you out for obedience tonight. Just say, you know, Lord, I forgive me. I am going to be intentional about that now. Uh, and maybe some of you that are here tonight, you don't have. You're listening to me and you're just going, gosh, I don't think I have this relationship with God yet. I don't, I don't, I don't talk to Jesus like that. I don't think I have this organic living relationship with him. And I would like to have it. We can pray for you too. He loves you. He's here. And maybe some of you, would like to serve, would like to do more, but you just don't know where to start. Well, you can come and receive prayer. And there's lots of women in the church. The church will be able to guide you into that. So, Vicki, so those are some of the things that if, if that's you, in a little bit, we're going to ask you to come and we're going to pray. Thank you. Bless you. Okay, I'm going to invite you all to stand right now, and uh, we're going to, Kaylin's going to come up and play some music in a few minutes, so um, let's just take a few minutes and just sit before the Lord. Say, come Holy Spirit. I could just ask everyone to have, if you could just close your eyes. Just, um, as Elba was speaking here tonight and she was talking about um, the kingdom woman, it starts first with a relationship with the creator, with Jesus. Can you? It starts with a relationship with Jesus being a kingdom woman. So... If you just keep your eyes closed, I just want to invite anyone who wants to enter into a relationship with Jesus tonight. Maybe you've never prayed that prayer before. I just want you to just pray in your heart along with me.
Father, I just love you so much. And I do want to invite you into my heart, into my life. I don't want to walk apart from you like I've been doing. I just want to lay it all down and just sit before your feet and come into a relationship with you tonight. Lord, forgive me for walking apart from you. And I just want to give control to you tonight, Lord. Just come right now. With eyes closed, if you pray that prayer tonight, just to acknowledge it to the Lord, would you just lift your hand so I can see who that was? I'd love to be praying for you. Elba had a lot of um, words for calling forward for prayer ministry time, and um, I had a couple of things that came to mind as she was talking specifically about the kingdom woman. Um, I heard fear of commitment and fear of letting go and letting someone into your life, and I think it went along with that discipleship part. Um, fear of committing to be the kingdom woman and serving, because that's scary. And the fear of letting someone in and being transparent and being raw, because sometimes when you feel ugly, it's hard to let people into that. Um, and I think the Lord wants to break that off tonight and just release freedom to you. Elba talked about feeling lost. She also talked about being overwhelmed tired of doing good and then that not discipling you realize that you're not walking as the kingdom woman and discipling those he's called you to so I just want to extend an invitation if any of those um, spoke to you I want you to come forward just begin coming forward to receive prayer is there anyone else who worked this is uh, just, again, highlighting what Elba's already said and what Vicky's already said, but in worship I had a picture of a vine, uh, a vineyard, right? But a vine and then the, the cluster of grapes. And I um, saw a couple grapes at the bottom that were like underdeveloped. And the Lord just brought a picture to mind. He said, I don't grow grapes one by one on a vine. I don't grow grapes like that. I grow grapes in clusters, and there's some of us that, yes, need to mentor and look after and, and serve those that are um, under us, but I think there's also some of us that have just not engaged in community and not engaged in small group because we're scared of feeling underdeveloped in the presence of people we think might be more developed than us. Um, I feel like there's some of us that have just let the excuses just pile up and the reasons pile up as to why we're not a part of a community of women. And boy, as women, we have a hard time comparing ourselves with one another. 
And I, I just compel you, if you feel like this is conviction from the Lord, not guilt, but just conviction from the Lord and an invitation towards something he's been calling you to for a while, which is to be a part of a, of a vine, of a cluster of women who, who want to be there to share your burdens and to share your stories and to be a part of your life. Um, we have such incredible groups in this church and I, I just say, respond. Receive the, the, the compelling you know, call that he's put on your life to be a part of something bigger than yourself. You're not supposed to call, grow by yourself on the vine. You're, you're supposed to be a part of a cluster. So. During worship, I had a picture of um, the Lord kind of going around the room and women kneeling before the Lord um, and being knighted on each shoulder with a sword. But I was thinking, oh, it's for battle, send me, you know, that kind of thing. And the Lord said, I knight you a daughter. And it was kind of this, wait, wait, that's not the word I was thinking, Lord. But for, I know for me throughout my life, I've struggled just with the performance thing of trying to gain my acceptance from the Lord from what I do, kingdom work and those kinds of things. But just like she said tonight, we have to first be a daughter. We've got to first be in relationship. And so if any of you are struggling with that, like you've, you feel like you've got to do more, it's kind of the opposite word, but that's where you're finding your value or your worth from is the, the kingdom works rather than a relationship. And he just wants to knight you tonight as his daughter. Okay, so I know it's scary sometimes, especially if you've never come forward for prayer, but this is opportunity. So we just want to invite you to come up front. So who's going to be our first brave one? Come on, just to respond to what the Lord's doing. And if, um, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can pray. It doesn't, it's not what we say, it's what the Lord's going to do and minister. So as women are coming forward, can we make sure that they're getting someone to pray with them? Right? Okay. Let's worship.
So if you're currently receiving prayer, um, continue doing that. I just wanted to close this out. This is the end of the night, but stick around and talk and fellowship or pray for one another as long as you'd like. So Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the call into your kingdom. Lord, help us to be kingdom women. Help us to walk in truth. Help us to embrace you and walk in the calling that you have on our lives. We give you all glory and honor tonight, and we just praise your holy name. Amen.